I'm Alison Rice and welcome to Offline the Podcast. These are honest conversations about true self with the people behind the Instagram accounts and the teachers who help us on our way. A lot has changed since I launched Offline in September 2018. It started as a podcast and thanks to your ongoing support, it turned into a bit of a movement. Today, Offline exists to help us explore the essence of who we are and how to live, create and succeed in alignment with that. This is our true self. There's the podcast, a series of considered online courses I've created with our collective needs in mind and experiences that allow us to connect as a community. Visit getoffline.co to find out more or follow getoffline.co on Instagram. You can find me at Alison Larson Rice. I hope this episode helps you on your way. The time has come to close season five of Offline. Two to three times a year, I take some time out to brainstorm what I hope will be another interesting and expanding new season for us to enjoy. I close every season with a special Ask Me Anything episode, and I want to thank you for your ongoing support for me to keep doing these episodes. It's so important that we share our knowledge, and also that knowledge is accessible to anyone who might need it, regardless of status or circumstance. So if you're unable to afford my conscious online courses or learning opportunities, I hope this episode helps you on your way. If you submitted a question, thank you. As is Offline's reason to exist, I've selected ones that seek to explore self, spirituality, and personal development. I want to thank you for listening to another season, and I will be back in your beautiful ears before you know it. Feel free to DM me with any guest or topic requests, because remember, Offline is ours. Okay, here we go. Okay, question number one. How did expanding offline feel for you? Any fears or imposter thoughts creep in? Well, um, this is a great question. More than anything, expanding offline felt relevant. Expanding was, I guess, my creative response to you telling me what you wanted and needed. And that's really how I think about creating a conscious business. As creators and facilitators, our role is to meet the need of the time. So creating self-study, which if you don't know, is a series of considered online courses and accessible learning opportunities. Creating that was my response to your needs and what you told me you needed. Second to that, expanding was essential in order for me to continue the podcast because I needed funding (laughs) and I needed to start earning again. And I think it's not spoken about a lot, but it's very difficult to earn a living just as a podcaster. And here's where I'll get very real with you. Even with self-study in the online courses, events and merchandise, I'm still only able to pay myself a very small amount of money each month And that figure, I mean, I'm not going to, I won't go into the actual details, but um, it's below minimum wage. And 
In the first year the podcast was live, I didn't actually, I wasn't able to pay myself at all. And then today, most of my profit goes straight back into the business. And on top of that, I've chosen to give 5% of all net profits to my nominated charity, which is Gunawira. It's definitely worth noting that I have made a set of decisions around how I will and won't monetize, which is definitely different to the majority. But those decisions, I know they're right for the business I'm building. And I think like holistically, my preference is always fewer and deeper partnerships and diverse revenue streams. And this type of business model, it isn't executed overnight. It actually takes years. So that's kind of like the earning side of things. And I had to evolve offline and expand offline if I wanted to keep producing offline. Um, And then to answer your question about imposter thoughts creeping in when I did expand, absolutely. I was actually physically sick. I vomited the day I hosted my first live knowledge session to launch self-study and my first course about making contact with your true self. Like that's how nervous and full of doubt I was. And even in my leadership career prior to launching offline, I did lots of scary things, but I never vomited. So that was a very real kind of like bodily reaction to the fear, I think. Um, And there was many times, like in the 10 months that I spent evolving offline and writing that first course, every single day I wanted to stop and just turn it all off because I was scared. Um, But I think that's where my my own self-work came in. So like alongside the very long days building and creating, I also put a lot of focus on remaining established in being in, you know, what is witness consciousness. Most of the time, definitely not all the time, I was able to observe the fear, if that makes sense, instead of letting it dictate my actions and my thoughts and my feelings. I also think and know that we teach what we most need to learn. I was writing a course about making contact with your true self and aligning to your purpose. And so I had to lean into those imposter thoughts, just like everybody else. Like, who do I think I am doing this? And what happens if nobody wants to study with me? And what if I fail? Will I recover emotionally and professionally? So these are all normal thoughts, but I think the important thing to remember is we are not our thoughts. And if we can move past our thinking mind and experience ourselves more from an essence level, then we're able to move into action more freely and not be limited by the fear and and those imposter syndrome type thoughts. Um, And that was really my mantra was go where you're not, evolve. And I could have just kept recording episode after episode of offline and that be it and then do consulting on the side. But that wouldn't have been evolutionary for me because I'd kind of done that before and I'd done that work before and I also didn't really enjoy consulting that much. Um, So the most evolutionary thing for me to do in the moment was step into my role as and my purpose as teacher. Um, 
I also ask myself a lot of questions like, if not me, then who? And if I saw somebody else do this, would they do it with the same pure intention as me? Will they hold this the way that I know I can? So I guess in many ways, I kind of knew it had to be me, or at least I had to try and find out. So I hope that helps. Um, Next question. What areas of yourself are you working on? Oh gosh, another great question. Um, Okay, so I think like so many of you, the main area I'm working on is, I guess, both acknowledging and examining my privilege and all the ways I have and will continue to benefit from it. This also extends to the podcast and an acknowledgement and apology to all the voices I've silenced through not having people, not having them on, quite literally their omission. And then beyond, I guess, this examination and ongoing self-education, I'm working on moving into meaningful action. Um, one of the biggest lessons I've learned is I guess on this path to getting allyship right, I will get it very wrong. And so I think a lot about failing, trying, failing, trying, failing, trying. Um, so that's probably the the main area of myself I'm working on right now. Um, the other area is my longtime friend anticipation anxiety Um, I'm not a huge fan of labeling or diagnosing because I think when we do that, we give it power, but sometimes you also just need to use the therapist definition. Um, Yeah, so I've been working on this part of myself for consciously for over five years. Um, It's a very hard nut to crack, but I think the biggest stuff we're here to transcend always will be. So I've kind of made peace with that as well. Um, I think in some ways I'm attached perhaps to this part of myself and that's why it's so hard to let go. I've been operating from a space of, I guess, what could go wrong since I was a little girl. And so, yeah, that's like 30 years of undoing. So it's definitely not going to happen overnight. Um, I think there's a few different ways to describe it. Like anticipation anxiety is an evolution of how I've been talking about it. Um, Catastrophizing is another one. Morbid fixations is something I've identified with for a long time. But essentially I try and control certain aspects of my life so that they can't be taken away from me. And this is obviously so I don't have to feel pain or grief or abandonment and that in itself stems from me experiencing loss and abandonment when I was younger. So it's an imprint. I never truly believe that I get to be this happy or well or that I get this love forever. I'm always anticipating the worst case scenario and kind of 
I guess, emotionally planning for it, which is a coping mechanism. And, you know, I feel really bad for Tony mostly because he's so great about it, but I have a lot of controls and processes in place in this, like, <laughs> you know, funny and vain attempt to keep him safe. Um, and we actually saw a really great therapist for a time about it and that really helped and she gave us a lot of tools, really practical tools actually to help manage it as a couple versus it being something that was kind of my stuff and it was all on me. Um, so that's helped actually a lot. I always, always, always recommend finding a great therapist who is a subject matter expert in the very thing that if you if you know kind of what you're challenged with, that is trying to find somebody who specializes in that. Um, but yeah, so that one's kind of always on when it comes to my self-work. I hope that I didn't say that forever. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm always working on transcending that, surrendering my need to control um, and working towards, I guess, living a very full life in every moment, which sounds a bit cliche, but I mean that like <laughs> very sincerely. Okay, next question, confidence. How do you develop it slash the ability to trust yourself and make the best decision for you? Um, I love this question. I develop confidence, I guess, a couple of ways. The first is having a direct experience of my true self daily. And this is what happens when I meditate. I make contact with the truth of who I am. So I get confidence from that because I come out of the meditation having kind of touched the truth, if that makes sense. Um, that makes me feel very strong very self-assured. The second way I develop confidence is gaining knowledge, and that's knowledge about myself, knowledge about the things that impact our way of living and being, and, yeah, knowledge about things that interest me personally. Um, I feel like it's like our therapist or that friend we go to for everything. You know, we trust their judgment and advice because we respect their knowledge and they always seem to have the right answer. And so I guess I try and be that to myself. Like if I'm informed, I can make informed decisions and then that kind of eliminates indecisiveness and I think in some ways it reduces risk. Um, so that's probably my best advice there. Become the expert on you and you'll establish confidence through that very self-work. Okay, how can I find a new passion? I can't do what I love right now and I and can't follow my highest excitement, which would be to travel more often. How can I bring back the feeling of being full and fulfilled without getting even more stressed out? Um, I think my best piece of advice is, and I don't want you to feel <laughs> disappointed when I say this and I'll explain a bit, um, focus on finding fulfillment internally 
and let the outside world become a place and space to sort of play and evolve versus it being kind of like the gatekeeper of your passion and your happiness and fulfillment. Like, I think literally, could your next trip be cosmic? Um, Like, do you need to get on a plane to experience bliss? Um, This question, I guess, also brings up how we define our reality. And I believe the thing that defines our reality is our state of consciousness. And if we evolve that, then our reality evolves. I really, really love, there's a quote um, by one of my favorite teachers, Gary Zukov. Um, He wrote um, The Seat of the Soul, which is kind of like, I think, a very foundational spiritual and self-development book if you're looking for an entry point. It's one of the first ones I read that I think like woke me up um, and kind of sent me on that in the direction of self-exploration. But I'll read it to you now. Reality is what we take to be true. What we take to be true is what we believe. What we believe is based on our perceptions What we perceive depends on what we look for. What we look for depends on what we think. What we think depends on what we perceive. What we perceive determines what we believe. And what we believe determines what we take to be true. What we take to be true is our reality. So I think that's quite powerful. And when it comes to your fulfillment... I guess that's what I think it's worth asking yourself is what do I believe and what have I made true? So I hope that helps. The next question is how to deal with toxic negative patterns in our mind. They are such a bitch, aren't they? Um, (laughs) Repetitive thoughts. Um... I think one of the biggest leaps in consciousness I've ever had is the realization that I'm not my thoughts and that I'm not those negative thought patterns. Like we're uniquely designed to be able to move into witness consciousness. So this is our true self observing our individualized self Like for many of us, we go our entire lives identified with only our individualized self and we organize our lives and our opinions and our desires through the lens of our intellect and our ego. But the main part of my own spiritual journey has been about making contact with my true self and then choosing to exist from that place. And that place is unconditioned it's unbounded and it's unknowing. And I think this is a really big thing for all of us is let go of the need to know. Um, But to answer your question, I don't necessarily think we have to quote unquote deal with toxic thoughts and negative thought patterns. I think if I can offer you a reframe it would be to choose to transcend them. And how do we do that? Um, That's a big question in itself, but 
part of the way we do that is we take our awareness off those thoughts and those repetitive cycles of thoughts and we put our awareness on having more experiences of ourselves as these innocent, um, I guess, impenetrable bodies of consciousness. So, yeah, I'm just thinking like I know what you'll be thinking is like that's not very practical or immediately actionable. Um, And I think that's the thing is we've been programmed to want a response that we can easily execute and, you know, tick the box to say, you know, done. I have dealt with my negative thought patterns, but it doesn't work that way. When we decide to explore the truth of who we are, why we're here and what we're here to transcend or evolve, we're actually choosing to step into the unknown and it's uncharted and the path only becomes clear in action, in the doing and the exploration. So I hope that helps you. I know it's very big picture thinking, but that's kind of how I'm in the world now. (laughs) Um, Okay, books or podcasts that helped you develop as a leader that still resonate now. Um, I mean, there's so many. I, I read so much and, you know, I spent a lot of time in that last role focused on my own development as a leader. Um, I will say there's probably one that stands out the most that I really liked and I still like now because it's, it's a very kind of human centered approach. It's called Radical Candor. It's American, so they say candor. Um, but it's a leadership philosophy that is based on caring personally while challenging directly. So there's a website now, I think, but there there was a podcast. I'm not sure if it's still being recorded, but it certainly would be available. And there's a book as well. I think I just listened to the podcast and I got a lot out of it. Um, I'm pretty sure it's two ex-Google executives. Um, but it was pretty fundamental actually in my in my journey as um, a leader and I guess developing and stepping up as a leader because I found a lot of the learning material out there was very male-focused and it was energetically very male, but I was, of course, leading big teams of young women. And so a lot of the language and the recommendations and approaches didn't really fit um, the group of people I was leading. So I think that's a big thing as well as really understanding who your audience is in that sense, Um, and then trying to develop your personal leadership style to suit that audience. But, yeah, so I like that one, Radical Candor. Um, The next question is quick progression as a young person dealing with imposter syndrome. Okay, well, there's no such thing as quick progression, so I would encourage you to let go of speed as a metric of success, I guess, when it comes to personal or professional development. Here's the thing. No one really knows what they are doing 
And truly, if they say they do, they're lying. I promise you, most of the time, the people who look like they know what they're doing, they're really good at, this is what I've learned, is they're really good at sticking to their scripts. They're also very good at being filters for what they've read or seen or heard. Um, And I guess it's that thing is curiosity leads to expertise. And I think that's all that's really required of us is to remain curious. But I do have a tip for you um, because I wish someone had told this to me. If you're in a room and you start to feel out of your depth or like you don't understand what's been spoken about or presented and you think they're going to throw to you and you've got to say something. I think that's such a pressure cooker of a situation. My recommendation is just say this one thing. That's really interesting. Can you please expand? I'd love to know how to better think about that. So it's this very open, curious question that asks the expert in the room to better expand on what they're saying so that you can learn, but it also signals, it's not that you don't know what's going on, it's just like, that's very interesting. Tell me how to think about that. So that's my little tip. It works a charm. (laughs) I haven't used it in a while, but um, there was a while there where that was basically my MO in the room. Um, Then I want to say on the term imposter syndrome, I think it's become quite dangerous, especially for young women on their way. I think because we can label this feeling that we have, we do. And then we kind of give over our power to it. We kind of hand ourselves over to it and become even more doubtful of our ability because we've got this thing called imposter syndrome. Um, So if I could offer you a reframe, maybe instead of imposter syndrome, you could begin to describe yourself as, yeah, a young woman on her way, someone who is committed to learning and expanding and excelling. Because we can't know what we don't know. And putting that pressure on ourselves is ridiculous, but we do it. (laughs) Okay, the next question, where does your creativity come from? Well, that's very easy, you, mostly. Um, I think about you a lot and I think about what you continue to tell me you need and then I create from that place. So that's it. I talk a lot about um, creative restraint in my coaching sessions and I'm a big believer in really understanding our role as creators and facilitators and really taking responsibility for what we create and what we put out there. Um, But that's really what drives my creativity is, is you and your needs and asking myself, am I meeting the need of the time with this work? Okay, how do I get out of the I can't do it or I'm not good for it? We've covered this a little bit, but I guess to expand, I would say move into action. (laughs) Um, The unknown becomes known 
only in action. So not procrastination, definitely not in our thinking mind and our thoughts. Our role is to evolve and, you know, that mantra I said before of go where you're not, step forward. Like I keep thinking this for myself, what is the literal worst thing that could happen or go wrong? Like that I tried and realized I couldn't, but then who defines couldn't and also who defines good or bad? Um, And this is the interesting thing, like the agony we experience comes from our obsession with like the labeling and the duality, good, bad, sad, happy, successful, unsuccessful, rich, poor. There's so many. It's actually crazy when you think about it, like, why do we suffer so willingly? (laughs) And we do that to ourselves. Um, The next question is how to juggle being authentic and humble versus egoic when needing to share work on socials. I would say for this one, remove yourself and your individuality talk less about what you did and more about why you did it and who you did it for. Who did you help? Why, what did the work achieve, I guess? And, and why does it matter to us as a collective? And then also, and you probably know this by now, but share the hardships leading up to the quote unquote success, because I think we we can connect more deeply with your challenges than we can your achievements. Um, so I hope that helps you is just to kind of remove yourself, the I and the me, and get into the why and the outcomes and, yeah, why did that work matter? Okay, this one's a bit of a change in pace. How do you deal with mental thoughts when trying for a baby? Um, I've spoken about this a bit on Instagram. I think the biggest thing that's helped me is understanding the relevancy of what I'm experiencing at, I guess, in any given moment. So I'm, I've become less focused on the what and more on the why, like what is this experience helping me to transcend or evolve beyond Um, It makes me think about my episode with Dahlia Gensher, the recent one. And she said, I put it in my intro, but she said to me, your life is designed to work out. And that was really big for me. Like, we need to let go of the need to know um, and then also surrender our preferences, I guess, for how it was meant to go and what it was meant to look like and I think the moment you're not the fell first time trying person (laughs) when you realize that that's not going to be your story, um, that's a pretty big day. Um, And I think a lot of women fear that shit, you know, like I've spent my whole life trying not to get pregnant and then the moment I try and get pregnant, I, I can't. And then you've got that very nonchalant friend who's like, yeah, we decided to start trying and we fell. And you're like, fuck. (laughs) But that's relevant for them. You know, maybe their challenge will come in the newborn stage. Um, So I think a lot about that, like 
who knows? We don't know what's relevant for other people, but all we can focus on is what's relevant for us and what what is this experience helping me evolve beyond and transcend? Um, beyond that, I think if you haven't read it, you might like to read Spirit Babies. Juliet Allen actually sent it to me and it really shifted my perceptions, I guess, around conception um, and conscious conception. So I had a a pretty big breakthrough when I was reading that book. There was a lot of tears. Um, Actually, my friend Mandy called me. (laughs) I was reading the book. I had a big breakthrough. I went into a meditation and I was just, whoa, it was full on. And then she called and she was actually just the person I needed to talk to in that moment. And um, she caught me, you know, mid-breakthrough, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I released a lot in the reading of that book, so it might, it might help you. Okay. The next question There's actually only a few more. What skill have you developed or honed that has surprised you? Actually, this one's easy. Um, I would say strategic financial planning and thinking. I used to create without any kind of real regard for monetization or putting a dollar value on my work and my expertise. So I think that's the most surprising skill I've learned running my own business is how to put a value on my expertise and then create opportunities that meet and fulfill that value. So that's new for me and I'm quite enjoying that. Um, a couple of cute ones. How tall are you? I'm 173 centimeters. I think that's like five, eight favorite perfume. Um, I love and wear smoking rose by IU, AU, AYU. I never know how to pronounce that. It's short for Ayurveda, which, or Ayurveda. So there's Anyway, you think I'd know how to say that by now. Um, And then the final question I love, that's why I'm deciding to end here, is what are you most excited about for 2021? I've been thinking a lot about 2021. Um, I'm excited to slow down a bit more, and I'm actually a lot slower than I was even a year ago, but I have been doing a bit of connecting into self and realizing that I could take my foot off the pedal a bit more still. Um, I've been asking myself a lot of questions about success and wealth and happiness. And I actually recently went back to my first online course and redid the self-study activities, which is quite cool, on these very topics. And my answers had evolved a lot since the first time. So if you did buy the course, um, I encourage you to do those activities again leading into 2021 because as you go on your own sort of development journey, you might not realize how much you've progressed and evolved and how much your thinking has evolved around what you want. There's one particular lesson called the conscious compass and, um, 
is a favourite of many people's actually because it gives us kind of this very conscious framework in which we can make decisions in life and work and things like that. So, um, yeah, so if you do buy the course, maybe go back and have it, have another look at that, find a nice afternoon before the new year and, and do it again. Um, but, yeah, for me, um, what else am I excited for 2021? I guess moving further out of like comparison and those feelings of like I'm not doing enough or I need to hurry up. Um, That's a really big focus for me in 2021. I worry a lot more than what you might think about not reaching my potential or that offline isn't reaching its potential because I don't have you know, perhaps the investment to get the support I believe I need in order to really grow it. Um, So that's been a bit of a pain point for me. Um, But I think what I know is the only way I can transcend that very internalized pressure, it's the pressure I put on myself, is to spend more time literally offline. (laughs) which is why I created this whole thing in the first place. Um, So taking my own advice, I think, in a way. Um, So I'm excited to do that. And, yeah, just to continue letting go of that very egoic need to be relevant and innovative. Um, That's my bloody rising Aquarius. (laughs) It's hard to switch off. Okay, that's it. I can't. I don't know how many I answered there, but um, I hope that's been interesting and helpful. And yeah, if you did ask a question, I really appreciate it. I really enjoy doing these. Um, they kind of feel very similar to a coaching session in a way. Um, but yes, I will be back in your ears very soon. And please, yeah please always DM me. And if you have any suggestions for me for guests or topics you want to explore together, then yeah, I'd love to hear them because I mean it when I say that offline is ours. It's for us. So I will see you soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. Visit getoffline.co to explore more episodes, the online courses I've created to help you succeed consciously, and upcoming community events. Follow getoffline.co on Instagram and me. My handle is Alison Larson Rice. Lastly, if you know someone who would benefit from hearing these honest conversations, please share offline with them. <laughs>